Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. I have another special value of coaching series. I really love doing these. And this one is no different, but I think it's so funny because we recorded the podcast six months after we wanted to record it. Like we had talked about it and we were so glad that we waited because she stayed with me one-on-one for one entire year, this client did. And her second six months was even more transformational than her first six months, which tends to be the case for a lot of my clients. And now she's actually in her second round of our deeply rooted group coaching program. So if you're a rule follower, if you're one of those that have checked all the boxes that have done all the things, I love how Franchelle is so frank, so raw, so open. Like she didn't come on trying to make herself be this perfect version. She was just like, listen, I'm going to keep it real. And I absolutely love listening to this. Now, the funny thing is, is if you listen to it, we recorded it back in the summer but I kept waiting for it. And it's like, it's now December, six months later, and I'm releasing it. So don't be surprised if you hear another follow-up from her (laughs) real soon, because I know she's still having breakthroughs and takeaways and transforming. And her coaching business has totally taken off because of it. Like she has defined who she is even more and who she works with even more. And she's even more grounded in who she is. And if you've ever numbed out and like didn't express emotions or anything, just take a listen. So I'm going to stop talking because we literally cover the gamut and it's a long one. And I think it's totally worth it. So without further ado, me and Franchelle Caesar. Hey guys, it's me again. You know, I'm always giddy and excited when I have a special guest. And today's guest is no different. So excited. One of my clients, the amazing coach, extraordinaire. I will let her introduce herself because I love it when they just own their brilliance. So Fran, Shell, introduce yourself. Oh, you are so funny. Hello, everyone. My name is Franchelle Caesar, and I am so excited to be here today. So you initially invited me to be on the podcast last December, and we had been coaching for about six months. And I'm so glad that we waited. I'm glad that we didn't talk then because that was like just the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was exciting. The next six months that followed, have just blown my mind repeatedly. So I'm really happy to be here today (laughs) and that we like didn't do it the last time. Yeah, so now we're at the one year mark and it's just, it's amazing. 
it's so hard like to think about how to describe yourself. There's like this formal, like eloquent way that you describe yourself. And then there's like, let's just keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. This is me. I am a rule follower, a perfectionist, a box checker, as Michelle Obama says. I am the girl who try to do everything right. You know, go to school, get good grades, go to church every Sunday, go to college, buy the house, have the kids, marry someone, you know, live the life, have the luxury car, all the things. And I did all of that. I worked in the medical field. I was an internal medicine doctor for 16 years. I was the hospital doctor. And then I turned 40 or shortly before I turned 40 and everything just was crashing around me. I just thought, what is this for? You know, I look back at my life. I've been divorced twice and it just wasn't worth it. I was just kind of at this in this place where I was like, this is not, you know, the way it's supposed to be. Like, what did I do wrong? I followed all the rules. I checked all the boxes and I'm not at the happy feelings, <laughs> the perfect life, that American dream that I was promised. And so that's kind of when I started to figure out there has to be a better way. And that's when my entire life changed. So, oh, so that good. is who I am. <laughs> but so many women are like that, especially mm-hmm. us as high achieving black women. It's like, yep. first of all, education is the way. Mm-hmm. So we do it. We go to the top schools, the top, whatever, get the corporate, get the, yep. get the medical, get the initials behind our name, JD, exactly. MD, PhD, whatever. We are good. Mm-hmm. You tell us the game. We right. will play it. Exactly. And then yeah. we sit there and go, what the Exactly. And it's such an interesting thing, too, because it's like we are trying to save the image for the culture. It's like do it for the culture. Be the example of the, you know, black family so everybody can understand that it's not the stereotype you see on TV. And so we are like carrying all that on our shoulders. And then you get to, you know, like the place where I was at. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, what's happening? Yeah. The first thing I tell my clients is like, let's stop doing it for the culture. Exactly. Like we just stop that because we have like, here it is. We're trying to disprove a stereotype Mm -hmm. that is like, it's a myth. There's nothing to disprove. Exactly. What if we just like, oh, you selling? I'm not buying. I don't need to disprove something that's false. Exactly. Exactly. That was never a thing in the beginning. It was never a thing. Yeah. So I ended up reaching out to you last summer. I'm going to love this podcast (laughs) interview because she is like, y'all hear her? She's primed and ready. Like, she's like, here's my story. I'm ready. I'm going to let her sit back and go. Go, girl. So I reached out to you because last summer, everybody was telling me I needed to hire a therapist. So my husband divorced me. It was this horrible, awful mess. And everybody saw it and they were like, you need therapy because this is this is going to affect you. I had no feelings. I was kind of like, okay, moving on with life. And I came to you because I was like, I don't want therapy. I just had just learned about life coaching. I was like, this life coaching is amazing. It's helped me in other ways. I really want a life coach and not a therapist. I was binging your podcast, all the things in my brain you were saying. And I was like, Brig is auntie. Like that was the thing. I was like, she's the one that's like, pull up a chair. Let me tell you what life is about. <laughs> so I was like... <laughs> I want to hire Brig. She's not going to let me get away with the bull crap in my mind, the things that I'm believing, like she's going to call me on it and I'll be able to receive it from her because I know that you get it. 
I could hear like in the stories that you told, I was like, she gets it. And so I came to that first call. I remember our console call. I remember telling you like, I don't know. I just don't have any feelings. You know, this is divorce. I don't have feelings. And I remember like spending the next six months crying for an hour every week on Zoom with you. And it was like, oh, there are the feelings. I do remember the the emotions and then being like, what is this about mm-hmm. the emotions? And I think a lot of our work was it's normal to have emotions. Like, yeah, let's feel them. Yeah. 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 I remember you told me if I don't feel the downs, the lows, I won't feel the high highs. And I remember that really struck me because I was so blunted. Everything was so blunted. I didn't feel the super happiness. I didn't feel the low, low sadness. And I was just like holding my life together, completely muting all my emotions. Mm. Didn't know how to process feelings, but I guess we'll get to that. Okay. (laughs) All right. So where do you want to go next? Since you're in the driver's seat, I'm letting you run it. Go. Oh, that's dangerous. (laughs) That is so dangerous. All right. So I made a a live video on Instagram the other day um, Mm -hmm. and I was telling everybody like the value of coaching, not because of like, hey, here by my coaching, but because like I am in the shit, like I'm walking through my life. This is what's happening to me. Let me tell you why I'm still smiling. Let me tell you why I'm okay. And that's been like the approach I've taken to everything in my coaching. And even before I was a coach, it was like, I'm transparent. This is what's happening. And when people are like, oh my gosh, you should be broken. It's like, nope. And let me show you why. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I wanted to tell them all about you. Like I was like, hire Brig. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's kind of like on this podcast, I really want people to hear that if you're thinking of hiring a coach, it's not going to be like, I am hiring a coach for my career. It's not going to just be your career. It's going to be about your life, your relationships, your business, your kids. Like we coached on everything this year, everything I brought up. Even when I came with a win, I was like, I'm just going to tell her this win real quick. Just be like five minutes and I'm going to tell her what's really going on. And then my win would be like a coachable moment. I'd be like, why am I crying? I just had a win. Like, (laughs) so... So that's like really important for people to know, like everybody needs a life coach. That's what I've been saying this whole week, especially women. We need to have another woman witness our thoughts and really reflect back to us where our brain is tricking us and where we're getting hung up because it's not necessary. It's really not. Where has your brain been tripping you up that you are totally aware of now that you wasn't before? The most surprising thing I learned about what my brain does to me or does with me is that I Mm -hmm. overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. That is one thing that we noticed kind of last fall. And then, Mm -hmm. which is why I say it was just the beginning because being aware of it was the beginning. And then I started seeing it in all these different places. And I was like, oh, this is that again. I'm overcomplicating. And the way overcomplication works against me is that I overcomplicate to the point where I'm so exhausted before I even start the project. I'm just like, oh, I can't yes. even like it's too much already. Right. Like I, I just made a, mo- a mountain out of a molehill and now I'm just too tired to even start. <laughs> so and then good. I just stop. Yeah. And then also, I think we were together talking when we came up with this idea of the success vacuum. It's mm. <laughs> just like what happens when we, you know, reach a goal or get to that successful point and all of a sudden we like suck in all of this self-sabotaging activity and behavior and 
all these things. And I remember in January I had a launch Mm -hmm. and then I, I got accepted into this high level mastermind. And then I spent the next three months completely like filling my life with all this craziness that was unnecessary, but it was like, to me, it was so necessary. And then looking back on it, I was like, oh, that was me not being able to really tolerate having success. It was me like having to like suck in all this chaos because I made things so calm and so nice for myself. So that was a big surprise. I think for us as Black women, especially, like there's a speed of our life that we get so used to. There's like a gear that we're in. It's that hustle, got to work hard gear. It's like driving a car when you drive somebody else's car. It's like you're used to the pressure being at this level. Like you automatically know where it is. And then I think when we start unpacking it and our life becomes freer, like there's not as much baggage on so we don't have to press on it as hard. That just feels so weird. And when life Mm -hmm. becomes calm and we're still succeeding, it's like foreign. Mm-hmm. it's like totally foreign. So I understand that success vacuum kind of thing of like, but wait a minute, this doesn't feel right because we're so used to being on guard everywhere, like going into rooms and like, am I not safe? And when we drop that, nope, mm-hmm. I bring my safety. When we drop, do they like me? Well, I like me. We drop yeah. that, like all of the baggage. Yeah. Life becomes so much easier, yeah. lighter. And it's unfamiliar. Right. And it was so calm and easy and light that I just had to like tangle it all up again. Like I had to move. I had to buy this really horrible dog (laughs) that completely wrecked my routine. You know, I started dating. I mean, it was just like, I just added so many complications to my life after feeling this like moment of calm and ease. And I, and it was so interesting because at that point I was like, look at that. You know, like I could observe myself because you had taught me how to observe myself. And I was like, look at that. Look what I'm doing. Right. And I could see it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like I was in it. It was like I was observing it, which was so interesting to me. What's the value of being able to do that? The value of being able to observe yourself, Mm -hmm. even if you're still doing the same shit. It's so empowering. Right. It's so empowering. Like before that, it's like life is happening to you. You have no control over it. And then it's like when you can see it and like, oh, my thoughts are creating my results. I think my life is too easy. That is, I really do believe that. And I have Mm -hmm. complicated it with this crazy little dog who has to go outside every five minutes, like all the things that I did. And I was like, I'm making it complicated because my thought is that it's too easy. This is too good to be true. It can't be this easy. For those of you that don't understand the concept of thought work and how we're saying our thoughts created, instead of challenging the thought going, wait a minute, who said it's supposed to be hard and challenging that, we think it's too easy. So let me take a bunch of actions. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let me rev it back up. I can't just Mm -hmm. relax. Like life can't be easy. I got to rev it back up, which makes sense because that's how you got to where you were. Like you revved up to go, you went through medical school, all the things. Mm-hmm. There was a necessity for yeah. that. And it worked for you. Yeah, it really did. It was so interesting. I was thinking back to our year together and kind of the evolution because our coaching container really evolved. And mm-hmm. it feels like those first six months was like this unbecoming. 
Like I came with like all of this stuff that I thought I needed in order to function in the world, even though all that stuff wasn't working, all Uh the thoughts I had, all my beliefs, the way my demeanor, the way I was carrying myself, like everything was like, this is how I survived this long. This is how I got through med school. This is how I survived 16 years working in hospital medicine and from like family of origin, from childhood, all these things, like this is my survival technique. Mm -hmm. This is how Mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. And what you showed me was like how to unbecome, like peel back those layers, take that off. You don't need that anymore. And really see like you did this because it was necessary. There was no like looking back with blame or guilt or shame. It was like, no, no, no. You did that because it was necessary. Guess what? It's not necessary anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was so amazing. So that period of time I would call the unbecoming. I just, I love that thought of just like, I was unbecoming all the things I had become to survive. Now I didn't need it. And it was time to move on. Uh And what followed that was the period of seeing my pattern Mm -hmm. of actually seeing what my patterns were Mm -hmm. and observing them. And I'm still in that phase where I can see them very clearly. And I'm just now moving into the phase of like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> right? Like, right. I can see, I can observe myself. I see what's happening and I'm like, okay, now what do I do, you know, with it? I love though that you're like, there's absolutely no judgment coming from you when you're describing observing your patterns. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm doing that again, still doing that again. Yeah. It's like me when I was gaining weight. I was like, the scale was going like this. And I was like, hmm, interesting, like still going up. Okay. Isn't it supposed to stop? Nope. I guess not because it's still going up mm-hmm. without judgment. Just curious. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Because at the end of it, I always knew I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to come to me. It's just like a puzzle. And I'm just like trying to put the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fascinating to just kind of watch. Whereas my whole life, I did not, you know, I didn't see it. And now I see it and I'm just, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just watching, you know, I'm just watching. And the watching is so empowering. Yeah. So empowering. It sounds like you're watching with so much love and compassion. I've learned to do that. <laughs> yes, you have. I have learned to do that. It is take a lot. it from me. Take it from me, y'all. She's learned to do that. I've learned to do that because I mean, I don't want to come on here and make, make anybody feel like, you know, oh, I have so much negative self-talk and I'm always beating up on myself. Yeah, me too. I was like that too. I've le- I had to learn. I had to practice. I had to keep coming back for coaching to stop beating up on myself, to stop looking back with judgment, to stop judging other people around me. That was a big thing that we coached on those first six months. Like, how am I judging other people around me? And so it's not like I just came here, this whole human being that's like, oh no, I'm looking at my past with compassion. No, no, no. <laughs> like it took a long time to like really get the hang of that, but it's yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. And it's still work every day, you know, I still work on it. Totally. What you yeah. got next? I know she got a list, y'all. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, I made a whole list of things because I it just started pouring out of me. I was like, oh, this is like, I just want to tell the people like you need mm-hmm. to have this because it's so invaluable. But um, one of the most recent things that we coached on and you kind of opened my eyes to that was surprising to me is mm-hmm. how much I apologize for who I am in my coaching and in my life in general, and how much of a distraction that is for the people I serve. I didn't realize that. And I think women, we do this, right? We're always like, oh, I'm sorry. 
Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if it was, I'm sorry, I probably would have noticed it, but it wasn't, it was like everything. It was like not showing up for my audience because I don't want them to see that I make these spreadsheets. Right. Even though the spreadsheets are like 50% of my business is like, here's the spreadsheet. But it was like, I don't want to show anybody that who's not already in the club who can see that. And it was like, why? Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I'm a planner person. I'm ashamed that I'm nerdy. I'm ashamed that I make charts for everything. And I was apologizing even to my clients when I was showing them things as though it was like a burden to them. Like, oh, I'm going to help you with your money, but I'm sorry that you have to do the work. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah, like I'm going to show you a simplified system. I put it all here in here for you to see it, but I'm going to apologize that I gave you a simplified system. Right. Gosh, that was mind blowing for me. That was mind blowing. Yeah. And I've been watching that. I've been observing myself of, you know, when I'm doing that, not judging or criticizing, but just saying, oh, look, I'm doing it again. That's what it looks like. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And getting used to that. Yeah. And like, okay, I get me. I see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it getting a PhD, getting your inner PhD, like a PhD mm-hmm. in you. We yeah. learn and study other people. Like as Black women, we can tell when our man or our woman mm-hmm. is upset, like just by mm-hmm. the, like how they walk in. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Right? Our boss. Yep. We could tell, like we study everybody. Facial mm-hmm. expressions. Baby, what's wrong with you? We know when our kids are lying to us, like we mm-hmm. are so in tune because it was totally a safety mechanism. Like we always had to be three steps ahead. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So but we never sat down to study ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like for once, for the first time in my life, I know me more than I know anyone else around me. Oh, that's so good. Say that it's, again, please. It is, it is so, it's such a delicious feeling. Like, I know me more than I know anyone else around me. I'm on to me. I feel my feelings and I love me more than anyone else around me. It's that, that knowing with the, with the understanding and compassion Mm -hmm. leads to self-acceptance. There's nothing more powerful than a self-accepted, self-safety, self-generated woman. Like nothing more powerful. Yeah. So incredible. All right. What else you got? So the uh, four things that I learned this year, these are kind of the things I was talking about in the video that I made okay. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I learned how to have my own back. Yes. What I was the importance to, of that? Well, if things go wrong, I'm not beating myself up over them. That negative self-talk is not there as loudly anymore. And mm-hmm. you know, what's so important about that is that I do have big dreams. I have big things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I know that at the end of it, success or failure, there's some bullying that's going to happen. I just won't start. Right. And I've learned that from watching myself. Right. I'm going to overcomplicate it. And then I'm going to expect to torture myself at the end. <laughs> and so my brain is just like, no, we're going to make sure you don't, you don't even start. So now that I know that I am not going to bully myself at the end of it, success or failure or whatever happens along the way, I am more apt to start, um, you know, major projects, things that I feel like are going to make big differences. Yeah. I'm not afraid to start them because I'm not afraid that I'm going to torture myself at the end or beat myself Mm up. So that was important. Yeah. What's the second thing? I learned how to create safety for myself. 
Ooh. which was huge. Tell me, <laughs> tell me everything. Tell me more. Cause you know, that's, that's my big thing right there. I yeah. Near, like I'm always preaching safety and yeah. safety. Yeah. That was the moment that the pop, the confetti moment that we had, it was when mm-hmm. <laughs> you were like, and why did you do that? And then what happened? And why were you thinking that? And then uh, my end result was like, because I created safety for myself. And I was like, what? Like, that was a big moment. I can't even remember what the situation was. I just remember that feeling of like the revelation of like, oh my gosh, like I did it. I wasn't worried about any external validation or anyone else's opinion. Like I knew that I had my back. I knew I was safe. I knew I could make a decision. I knew I could process the emotions that came with the consequences. Like this is big. It's so huge. Right. So, so huge. Y'all, yeah. like she literally went to her desk and <laughs> got a confetti thing and popped confetti after she had that realization. It was like, and I was like, yeah. and you just created safety for yourself. And she was like, oh my God, yeah. I did. My yeah. kids had just had a birthday. So we had all these confetti poppers and I was like, oh, I got something for this occasion. <laughs> yes. So good. Oh man. So good. It was so good. Well, what was um, it like before though? What does that, cause some people like, what does that even mean to create yeah. internal safety? What was it like before not yeah. having it? Maybe for someone that doesn't understand that. Yeah. So it looks like I can only think of it like what it would look like at work. Okay. It looks like you go to work, you're constantly on edge for what other people are saying about you. You know, if you're being praised or criticized for the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. Um, for me, when I was still working, I had a lot of debt and I was always afraid of being fired. It's like I have bills to pay. I can't be fired. And so you're constantly like having to read the room, react, you know, censor yourself because your safety depends on someone else's judgment and opinion and their decision about you. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is my safety only depends on how I'm going to treat me. Because circumstances are going to come and go. Life is always going to be 50-50. So I can't rely on life to make me feel safe. I had to bring my safety into the room with me everywhere I went. And it was a big deal. So it, it may look different for different people. But if you're ever feeling like, if this happens, oh my gosh, that's it for me. You know, it's going to be this horrible thing. That's because you're relying on someone else's idea about you to feel safe. And I don't have that anymore. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, it's all on me. Yeah, but for the person who hasn't done that, what does that even look like? Because they're like, there's somebody listening right now that's like, no, you don't want to stand. I do have a lot of debt. And if they fire me, I am up ship creep. What do you say to that? Yeah, so what I had to do for me and what I would say to that person is, how are you going to have your own back if that scenario happens. Mm -hmm. So if I was fired and I had a lot of debt and I had bills to pay, what would I do? Because a lot of times we don't even take it there. We're just like, but I can't get fired. It's like, okay, but let's just say it happened. What would you do? Yes. Right? Like you're still you, right? You didn't go through all of this. You know, you didn't live this long not to understand what you could do next, Mm -hmm. right? I could always like, I'll put it this way. I quit my job to become a coach thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, I had saved enough money for a year and that my husband was going to kind of help me float for three years to my business, mm-hmm. got off the ground and then he divorced me. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like that. My safety was on him. 
And then he left. So he pulled the rug. That's when I came to you. I was like, he pulled the rug out from under me. Oh, yes. I was My safety wasn't him, right? Yes. But what I learned is that I create my own safety. So when he left, it was up to me. And I'm, I have ingenuity. Like I can figure out what to do next. And I did. And I was. And it was like, where's my resilience? Okay, let me figure out what to do. I'm always going to take care of me. Yes. I don't have to feel like my safety comes from someone else. I have my own back. Yes, totally. Because, you know, Black women, you know how we do. It's all on me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and who else do you want it on? Like, literally, yeah. would you want it on someone else besides you? Because right. you're a badass. Like, it's yeah. like, as if that's a bad thing, but we never, like you said, lean into, right? right? And that's one of the things I love doing with the coaching is like, okay, well, let's go on the other side of that. I call them boogeyman thoughts, like mm-hmm. candyman thoughts. It's like, we just stop there and go, <gasps> Exactly. As opposed to let's go on the other side, turn off the lights yeah. and say Candyman, right? Go on right. the other side of that and like what? And yeah. what? So good. Like now what? Yeah. We do? Okay. Yeah. What's number three? Well, you would always have me commit to myself that I would love myself more if mm. I like on the other side of whatever decision I was making or whatever project I was working on, like decide ahead of time that you'll love yourself more. And I would, but I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> I was like, okay. (laughs) I knew part of it was that I wouldn't beat myself up. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I think she's saying like, I won't criticize myself or say I was wrong for trying, but I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure how I could love myself more. Cause I didn't really know like how it would feel to love myself. I was just like Mm -hmm. more than what, more than zero. Like, what do you mean? Right. (laughs) Until until this week, this week, we've been coaching for a year. Mm-hmm. ups and downs and everything in between. And this week I realized what it feels like to love myself more. So, good. so amazing. And it really is for anybody who really just doesn't even understand that concept. Like it's almost like one of those things, like you won't know until you do it, until you try it, you know, you won't really get it until you practice it. And then it happens. And then you go, Oh my gosh. So what happened was I put myself out there Um, I started dating again. I was dating as like, as though it was like a personal development exercise. (laughs) I was dating Mm -hmm. people to grow me and to learn about me and to test what I had, you know, learned and the growth I had made. Mm -hmm. And I got in this uh, relationship that was so much fun. I have no regrets, but then Mm -hmm. it was over. Yeah, it was over. And I remember we had coached on like the relationship is going to end. Remember you said that like either one of you is going to die, like you could be married forever, but one of you is going to die eventually, or it's good. You're going to break up. Like whatever happens is going to end somehow. How are you going to treat yourself when it ends? What are you going to say to yourself when it ends? Right. It was this a waste of time. Was this like, you shouldn't have ever gotten into it. You know, you were a fool, you know, all the things we tell ourselves, like, look what you did, blah, blah, blah. And I went through this and then it was over. We were complete. Everything was done. There was no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. And I didn't beat myself up over it. And on top of that, I felt more love for myself because I had put myself out there and because I had played full out, because I didn't spend time hunting for all of the, you know, you know, red flags, right. The red <laughs> flags. Like flags. I wasn't, I, we had fun. We had the most amazing summer ever. It was about 90 days of a relationship. We yeah. had so much fun. You know, I did everything I wanted to do. I didn't do anything I didn't want to do. And now it's over. And I have like this summer owes me nothing. Like I have no regrets. 
And I was so just good. like, wow, I love myself even more. I love myself for who I was in the relationship. I love myself for how I left the relationship. I love myself more than I love the other person. And that was the first time I'd ever been in a relationship where I loved myself more than I loved the man. Mm, 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 mm. That's the effect <laughs> and the impact of always putting your love for yourself above the man, right? Yeah. yeah. Or woman or the significant other. But like right. we've been conditioned that romantic love is the pillar of happiness mm-hmm. and stability and status and everything. And the only person that that serves is your partner. Right. It's a very patriarchal view. It's like, I need to look less than of myself if the relationship Mm -hmm. is not operating at a hundred all the time. Right. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Or I I would have in the past, I recognize this in myself. I would have stayed until I was resentful. Mm. I would have tried to make it better. I would have tried to change it. And then all of a sudden this fun. My whole purpose for the relationship was ease and freedom. And I would have squashed that and I would have stayed until there was like no ease. There was disease, you know, until it was just like so frustrating and stressful and sucked all the fun out of it. Like I didn't do that. I was like, oh, okay, we're done here. And I was like, who am I? You know, (laughs) just this amazing feeling of like, I love myself enough to walk away before it gets horrible. Yes. But that comes from that that practice that you have of observing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, you ever wake up to a significant other and they're like watching you while you sleep. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like, they just like, they just love you. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're observing you. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to watch you. I'm taking care of you. What are your needs? What are your wants? Yeah. What are your weaknesses? Not so that I can beat you up. Right. So that I can love you through those. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're doing when you're observing yourself. Yeah. So amazing. So really good. a good feeling. Like it's the greatest gift. Like I can't even recommend it enough. Like just being able to see how your mind works and how, how you act and react. Like I said before, we coached on everything. It doesn't even matter what you come to coaching for. You're going to see it across every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And when we fix it in one area, we fix it in all the areas. So So amazing. Okay. What's the fourth one? Put myself out there in -hmm. all the ways, like in work and business too. I put myself out there more visible. I'm on your podcast. That's a big deal. You know, marketing my business without apologies, (laughs) you know, and then getting back out there to date a year after this craziness happened in my life where I could have very easily crawled into a corner and said, okay, that's it. I'm just going to raise my kids. That's it. Right. I just, I found the confidence to get back out there and try. And that was was a big deal. What's one of the most favorite tools I taught you or techniques or whatever that I taught you? Talking to myself. (laughs) I I was hoping you was going to say that one. (laughs) Yes. Talking to myself. It's like a whole deal now. You know, it's funny. Like I almost want to call myself like they, them, like I need new pronouns because there's so many voices in my head that I'm just like, oh, I get it. I get that pronoun thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like I sit here, I can process emotion. I never in my life before have processed emotions. I think I spent most of my life trying to hide them because it wasn't Mm -hmm. safe to feel them. 
Because, right. you know, and you've, you've talked about that a lot. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, like it wasn't safe to be angry or sad or disappointed. And now I name my feelings. So I actually know what feelings I'm having, which takes a lot of the pressure off. And then I also, if I'm just feeling uneasy, put my hand on my heart, I go inside and I'm asking like, what are you trying to tell me? What do you need? And there's always an answer. There's always an answer. If I feel a sensation, which for me is typically like this pressure in my throat. And I think that's because I've spent so long, like not saying, telling your truth, saying, right, exactly. And so I'll have this tightness and I'm always like, okay, and I'll describe it, which eases it and I'll, you know, really name it. And that's been such a game changer. That's really made a huge difference for me because I, I was so blunted when I came to you and I didn't know what my feelings were. I didn't have names for them. I didn't know where I was feeling anything. And just to be able to release that. And now I feel all the feelings. Mm -hmm. It's so great. So good. Well, in that vein, I want to veer off just a little bit because one of the things you said in your Instagram is like telling or words don't teach. Like, so what's the difference of you reading this in a book or seeing this on YouTube Mm -hmm. or listening to someone like someone just listen to you go, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'll just talk to myself and put my hand on my heart. (laughs) Right. Right. What's the difference of doing that or doing the work internally that we did week after week? What's the difference? It's a huge difference when you have someone to witness it for you. And I think part of it is because who's going to walk into the fire? Right. Like who's going to be like, oh, I see this is really going to be painful. So let me just go do it. No, it's like you want somebody to hold your hand to like actually say, come on, keep going. Let's go. Go deeper. I knew that, you know, I could coach myself. But every week when I came to you, I had tried coaching myself as far as I could go. And then I was like, okay, I've done some work on this, but here's where I'm stuck or here's as far as I've gotten. And then you could always take me deeper into that. That's something that you can't do by yourself. Right. That's one part of it. You can't go further than your mind is going to let you go. And then also when there's going to be pain there, you definitely are not going to let yourself go there to the pain. And so I, I realized that like, I wouldn't have gone as far if you weren't leading me there. And I wouldn't have noticed how my patterns were repeating themselves, but in disguise. Like you would put, you know how you would tell me, like you put the sunglasses on and be like, it's the same thing. It's just wearing sunglasses or like, it's the same thing. It's just got a wig on. And I wouldn't, I didn't see that. And so I think I probably would have let myself off the hook or not even noticed it if I wasn't constantly being shown like, nope, this is the same pattern that you had before. It's just showing up in this part of your life. And so it's like, yes, do the work on your own. Like you definitely have to do the work on your own, but there's a limit to how far you can take it on your own before you just really need somebody who's outside of your head, who's not in your family, who's not your BFF, who does, you know, doesn't have a vested interest in what you're going to do to witness what you're saying and call you on it and just be like, actually, did you hear what you just said? That part right there. And it's like, oh, right. I think also, I know what I'm really good at. I'm really good at helping people create their own safety, know their self, love themselves, process their emotions. Their relationship with themselves is my specialty, especially for Black mm-hmm. women. I'm also really good at seeing the patterns only because my clients would tell me like, how do you remember? Like, you remember on our on our first session, you did such and such. And I'm real good at like, and you did this and you did this and you did this and showing you the patterns. 
But I think there's a beauty of seeing it as a pattern. It's like, oh, I don't have 15 different problems. I just have the same thing that I do in all different, like all. So it's like really focuses you on, oh, it's this thought loop area or this thing that I'm bringing in, this conditioned belief that I've had that I haven't let go of yet. And it's affecting all these areas as opposed to I'm fucked up in all 15 different things. Right. Exactly. It is a relief. Yeah, it is a relief. I almost remember when I realized that, like it was December of 2021. (laughs) Like (laughs) it was like this huge relief of like, oh, like I'm not broken in all these different ways. I just have this one thing that I just keep doing in every part of my life. Yeah. And I would never have uncovered that if I wasn't talking to somebody every week about all these different things in life. And it's like, oh, here's where this is. And here's where it's showing up. And here's where it's showing up again without yeah. judgment, without being like, oh, you're broken because you keep doing this in all the areas of your life. It's just like, oh, here's where it shows up. Oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? You did yes. it again. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's switch gears. Was there anything that you felt uncomfortable coming to me for? Because I know I'm the auntie and some people are mm-hmm. little can, can think they're I'm, <laughs> I'm intimidating. I don't think I am. Am I direct? Yes. And will I mm-hmm. never let you victimize yourself in front of me? For sure. But mm-hmm. was there anything that you felt like, oh, I don't know if I can bring this to break. And you can be totally honest. Yeah, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I've had other coaches like with um, fitness, mm-hmm. <laughs> I realized. So I'm a super honest person. Like I tell the truth, but I knew, and I told that woman, I was like, I get on here. I'll be lying to you. <laughs> like, I'll be lying to you because it's like something about like when you have shame, how you try to like sugarcoat something and just like make it, a, you know, make it a little bit prettier than it is. I didn't do that with you. I knew that when I came to you as ugly and messed up as things could possibly be, I just knew you would get it. And I'm like, I've listened to your podcast. I've heard the stories that you tell about your relationships and your transformations. And I'm like, I don't have to sugarcoat this. It's like, this is the area in my life. This is the hour a week that I can put my shield down, take off the armor, not try to be the superwoman, not try to walk in here acting like I got it all together. I can just be blubbering. It's not coming out of my nose. Yes. (laughs) Right. And just cry. And if I needed to do that and just be honest about who I was and not try to be like, oh, this doctor. Right. It was like, no, this is what I'm dealing with. And that was like, it was the safest place. And I think that's what you told me when I kept crying. Because before Mm -hmm. I was like, I never cry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why am I crying? You were like, because you feel safe here. Yeah. And it was true. I was like, okay. So yeah, no, I didn't lie about anything. I didn't sugarcoat anything. I didn't feel nervous about bringing anything. There was no judgment. Yeah. It was just, it was a really, and it still is, it's ongoing, but it's just a really good container. And now being deeply rooted, it's the same thing. You know, being a deeply rooted, you're in a room full of other people. Like I have a group program and I have people who, when they're ready to join it, they're like, oh, but I don't want to say things in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so liberating to be in a room where people are like armor is down i'm just gonna say it like it is and then you're like yes me too yeah it's like i'm not alone me too yeah it's been great and i love that you're in both your (laughs) one-on-one client and then you did deeply rooted too and i think they both have their purposes but why did you join deeply rooted when you were already a one-on-one client So I love group coaching in general. Like I believe Mm -hmm. in the power of like group coaching, like collective 
mm-hmm. thoughts. I loved being a one-on-one client, but I also kind of knew if I was in a room with people who were pursuing a goal that I would be motivated to pursue my goal even more. It's kind of like the collective people that you're around. If your people are high achieving, then you're going to be like, oh, let me get my butt off the couch and start doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't have that. I have like friends who are coaches, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have like this movement of people. Like we are all moving in this direction together. And that's what deep and deeply rooted, like is even more so now that you've like given us all this challenge. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, because everybody's working on something different, but we're all like, get your butt in gear. Let's do it. (laughs) So good. Right. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn in deeply rooted? That's different. What takeaway have you had? I know you're deeply rooted. It's like, it just feels amazing, but like Mm -hmm. what, and maybe that is it. It's the sense of community, Mm -hmm. but what did you learn? I can tell you what I think it is. And it's just like, oh, this is conditioned thoughts for us as Black women. Because when you hear your thoughts from other women, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's like you understand it so much more. It's like, oh, this really isn't me. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. That's Mm -hmm. part of it. I kind of knew that though from money coaching and bringing Mm -hmm. people into my container. I kind of knew like that phenomenon that would happen. But with, with Deeply Rooted, I think the biggest thing is that for all the years of my life and especially working in medicine, I always had this thought of like, this isn't hurting me. You know, I'm hustling, I'm working long hours. I'm on call a lot. I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's no problem. This isn't hurting me. And now what we've been learning a lot and deeply rooted with like the physiology of our body after so many years of trauma and stress. And I see now, like, you know, this was hurting me. Like this way, you know, it's like physically, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I've gained some weight, you know, mm-hmm. from my commute mm-hmm. and sitting at the, okay, I get that. But now it's like, no, no, this is causing stress to your body that is manifesting in ways that you will not see except in the next 10 years or so when everything falls apart, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you've been holding this shack of a house together and then here comes the strong wind and boom, it's all going to fall down. And so that was a big deal for me. It was like a big motivator of like, oh no, things are about to change. I can't do it for the culture anymore because it's killing me. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what Deeply Rooted is, Deeply Rooted is my group coaching program. And one of the components is, is I get to bring in my anesthesia stuff in. So I actually kind of teach on how stress affects us, how being stuck in our freeze and flight and flight and how we process and respond as opposed to reacting, all those things, sleep, food, all of it, how it affects our physiology. And so you just get another measurement of like, oh yeah, this is the reason why I take my foot off the gas and not go at a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of going back to what we were saying, words don't teach. Right. Yes. Like we know this stuff. I used to tell patients this all the time. You got to sleep. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. Mm-hmm. Like we know this stuff. We can read it in a book. We can see it all day long. But when we get into it and you gave us a tool so that we can track the data ourselves, yes. when you actually see that chart every morning and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. you know, there's a graph, there's numbers, there's data that shows like this is what your body is doing. And it's just, that was like such an eye opener for me because it's like, I knew this on a certain level, like logically I got it, but now I see that my mind and my body are not on the same page. And if I don't Mm -hmm. figure out how to 
fix that, you know, I'm not going to be able to create the magic and the, like the big change that I want to create in the world. I won't be able to do it. Yeah. I think that's the difference with deeply rooted is like deeply rooted is more towards like, let's get our mind, body, and soul all Mm -hmm. in alignment so that we can create our epic shit. It's not, I have no doubt that all my clients are brilliant. So in my one-on-one, I work on their relationship with themselves, but in Deeply Rooted, it's like, let's get an alignment, not so we don't do epic shit, but so that we do epic shit well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because that's what the world is missing is like, we can't even get to the point where we put our shit out there because we have all this congested stuff that we listen to and we have mm-hmm. to fight against ourselves and our nervous system and everything else. And I teach you how to not do any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. Like just to have like a day, the day after I get a really good night's sleep mm-hmm. and I've done that nighttime routine mm-hmm. and I get up and I'm like so productive. I'm like, this yes. is different. Yeah. Like, this is the way it's supposed to feel. Right. Yes. It's like one of those moments where you're like, OK, you have to feel it to see the difference. It's mm-hmm. not something you can just read and say like, oh, yeah, OK, I get that. No, it's not like when you feel this, you're like, oh, how on earth did I get this far? <laughs> it's like this is right. This is a person who's going to create epic shit like this person yes. with this mindset, with this level of rest and nutrition yes. and thoughts. Right. It's a it's the difference is night and day. I'm a totally different person. I was last year. All of my friends will tell you that they've probably been in your DMs. I don't know. But <laughs> no, no one's been in my DM. So yeah. Because I'm always like, because they're like, this is amazing. And I'm like, it's Brig. It's Brig, y'all. She's helped me figure this out. You know? Wait a minute. I had one client. I did another interview and she called it BB before Brig. Yeah. And the and the BB and BB. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like... incredible. <laughs> Incredible. I thought that was so funny. Like, yeah, and, bo- and BB, like B squared, B squared. B squared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So good. All right. Anything else that you had on there that you wanted to share that we didn't talk about? Anything you just want to share from your heart about your transformation, about anything? I guess I would like to tell you the secondary benefits of working with you. Yeah. Cause yes. I was thinking this morning, I was like, you know what, there's some other things that have happened that are kind of in the working in the background. Mm. One of them for sure is confidence. Mm-hmm. I spent my life thinking I was shy. I am not shy. <laughs> right? Like It's just that I was afraid to speak. Yes. <laughs> so I have confidence now. I'm able to market better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't consider what people think about me anymore. Only mm-hmm. thing that matters is what I think about me. I have sovereignty over my life. Mm. I live my life on my own terms. Mm. I don't need, uh, you probably remember this, but I needed permission. Like the first six to eight months of working together, like I needed permission. I had, and I think a lot of your listeners probably do this too, where we're buying coaching program after coaching program after coaching program, listening for someone else to tell us something that we probably have the answer to inside of ourselves, but we want someone else to say it. So we have permission to do this thing. I was that person. I was like always just trying to find some validation outside myself. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, yeah, I'm creating some. I never seen anybody else do it, but I think it's pretty cool. And I'm going to give it a shot. (laughs) Love it. I don't need permission anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, the benefits of this is that, you know, my clients are getting a better coach. 
Mm-hmm. My kids are getting a better mom. You know? I was getting ready to say, did oh, we yeah. not put our kids in there? Like our kids, yeah. what about yeah. our kids, our relationship with other family members, our relationship yeah. with friends? Yeah, all of that. I'm not yeah. as reactive. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to think in my head is you are allowed to have your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can, you can judge my decisions. You're allowed to have your thoughts. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. have to fix that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to let you be wrong about me. It's okay. Yeah. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And my kids, you know, they, they don't get the mom that's like reacting and flipping out and upset Mm -hmm. all the time. You know, I have enough for me and I have enough to give. And it's just, it's just been different. They're learning how to manage their emotions and process their emotions. Cause I can teach them that I can slow things down. And tell them it's okay to be sad. And this is a generational change here. So good. So good. Because yeah. we don't talk about emotions enough. Like, what's the <clears throat> real benefit of you going from, I feel nothing to, I actually <laughs> can feel my emotions? Because, you know, it's like emotions, they kind of hurt. They don't feel good. Yeah. So why would you want to feel your emotions? You know, it's like I've, I'm in tune with my body to the point where those emotions really are the compass. Like we hear people say that and it's just like, what does that mean? You know, but it's like, no, your emotions really are the compass. Any given scenario, I can feel it. I can process it. I know what direction I'm going in. And even if it's scary, it's like, that's okay. And I've learned to like really kind of like ahead of time decide that I'm going to feel an emotion. And then I'm like, when it happens, like with this breakup that I just had, mm-hmm. I decided ahead of time. I was like, okay, and I, I did a lot of self-coaching along the way. So it was like, what if this ends in this kind of heartbreak? Okay. I'm well, I'm willing to feel heartbreak. I'm willing to yeah. feel disappointment. He's around my family. I'm willing to feel embarrassed if it doesn't work. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that was a, you know, how did you do, you know, I'm willing to feel embarrassed. So then when it happened, because I had already decided like, these are the emotions that I'm willing to feel. My brain was not given the alarm of like, oh my gosh, something has gone wrong. You know, the house is burning down. It was kind of like, oh yeah, this is part of it probably. Cause we already decided it's probably going to be part of it. No big deal. Yeah. And everybody's like, how are you okay? You know, with everything that happened, I was like, I don't know. I guess I just, I expected that this would be part of it and it's okay. So good. Yeah. So good. And not in this I'm a strong, badass woman. Can't nobody get bullet through. That's so, I tell people all the time, I was like, it's so emotionally draining. Right. It's the opposite of strength. It is the opposite. Yeah. And I used to be like that. That is the opposite. That was me pushing down. Yes. That was the stuffing down. And the stuffing down was coming out in other ways. Remember I was saying, there was like this whole period we were talking about me and my emotional eating. Mm-hmm. I don't even do that anymore, but it was like, I was stuffing down instead yes. of feeling it just comes out in other ways. And we yeah. think like, oh yeah, I'm strong. I don't feel that. It's like, well, okay, well it's coming out somewhere else. As and if there's something wrong about it. feeling emotions in the first place. Like I'm like, who said emotions were made to be felt? If we weren't supposed to feel anger, jealousy, those emotions yeah. wouldn't exist. Right. I know for me, like my mind would tell me if I allow myself to feel that it was, I was going to be rolling down this hill of never coming out of it again. I thought if I allow myself to feel sad, I was going to be depressed. It was going to go like to the total extreme. I was going to be depressed. I wouldn't be able to function. Mm -hmm. I have these two little kids. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to like keep all the balls in the air. I would, you know, drop all the balls and I'd be in bed and everything would go to heck. Like that was really what I thought. And when I learned how to process it, like set the timer. 
and cry. And I was like, oh, it's only been five minutes. Okay. <laughs> I ain't even in five minutes. Right? I couldn't even I cry for five good minutes. We had that when I said, okay, we'll set a timer for, I can't remember what it was. Uh-huh. And you were like, and I was like, after the call, we're going to, you're going to do this. And the next time you were like, it didn't, I didn't even use all the time. Right. Yeah. It was like, you, we think, we think it's going to be this horrible thing. Like it's going to be three months. I'm going to have to go into therapy. And it's like, okay, 10 minutes later. Oh yeah. You start journaling and then you have all this clarity and it's literally the chemicals wash over you and you may have to table it. Like it won't be a one and done. You may have to come back to it. You know, I tell my clients, like, put it in a box and put it on the shelf and then come back to it and open that box, set your timer, do it again. And you may have to keep doing that, but each time it's going to be easier and easier and you'll get through it. It'll be fine. And like we were saying, it's not something that you can read and do. It's like you have to experience it. I think that's a lot of times what we do as high achieving black women as we try to rationalize it and make it logical instead of just feeling it. Cause I remember a lot of time I used to do this. I don't do this anymore, but mm-hmm. like I could be driving and I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to feel that later. Let me just, when I get home, when I'm in a shower, I'll think about that and cry. And now mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm pulling the car over. Like I need to feel <laughs> this right now. Like I want to feel it because I'm not going to put my feelings on my to-do list anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to feel it because I know I can come out of it and function and be more clear headed for the rest of my day. Yeah. And if there is an emotion that you're not afraid to feel, mm-hmm. how much epic shit then you do? Yes. It's like, look at the dating thing. It's like, I put myself out there knowing full well that these mm-hmm. emotions may happen mm-hmm. and I'm still going to go, go all in, be totally present, not be overthinking, looking and looking for the red flag, looking at everything. Like that's a whole bunch of energy, whole mm-hmm. bunch of energy. Oh, I'm just going to be present and know no matter what happens, I'm going to know it when it's time to leave or when it's time to continue. And I trust myself. Yeah. And then you're not afraid to experience that. So it's like, how much life are we, do we not do? How many risks do we not take? Because we're afraid of feeling an emotion. Exactly. That's such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So you talk about your clients all the time. Tell us all about you. Who do you coach? Because I know you're a coach. An amazing mm-hmm. coach. Who do you Thank coach? You. They're listening. How yeah. do they know that you're their ideal client? Yeah, I coach spenders. There's two types of people in the world. They're spenders and they're savers. Okay. If you can go in Target with a list, get what's mm-hmm. on your list and leave, you're not my client. <laughs> if you if you go okay. in Target. How many of us are raising our hands? <laughs> I go in Target and get everything but what's on my list. Okay. It's like, did I have a list when I came in here? I know yes. I have a list. And oh my God, when the holiday bazaar or the world market or whatever is, I was like, oh my God, nobody yes. here, the bazaar. What, I can't even remember what it was, but they would have it like once a year. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. yes. So I'm a money coach. Mm-hmm. And what I found in my journey was that financial gurus are not talking to us. <laughs> they are talking at us, but they don't really understand that spenders have a whole different philosophy about life. And when you say cut up the credit cards and have a no by July, you don't understand that I'm about to put the number in Amazon. My credit card may be cut up, but the number is still in Amazon. And I may have a no by July, but August is going to be off the chain. <laughs> like I'm going to make up for it. So what happened with me is I was in medicine 
you know, I had a high salary and I had high good credit because I always pay my bills on time because I was a rule follower and I did the right thing. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> and so after I had my twins, I realized during maternity leave, I was like, I don't want to do this forever. Right. But I had bought a lot of stuff on time. You know, I had like houses and cars and things that, you know, you pay off over time. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided that I did not want to go back to work, I figured, okay, how do I, how can I buy my freedom? How do I get out of this? And it was the debt. The debt was the way, was the only thing standing between me and, you know, being present with my kids. And it was a lot. It was Mm -hmm. quite a lot. I had done a really good job having fun with my life. It was about when I all totaled, it was about $624,000 and I was like devastated. So I started listening to Dave Ramsey. I started doing all the things, trying to figure out how do you pay off debt? How can I, you know, get out of this? Started listening to the first time ever listening to podcasts, but from financial gurus and things like that. And I realized that, you know, I had a choice. I could cry myself to sleep every night because this was so hard and it wasn't working or I could figure out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I realized that what they were telling me to do was not working for me. It was making me feel really, really sad about my life. Terrible. Like what's the even point, right? It's like, what's the point? And so I had to create my own set of rules and I wasn't looking at anybody else. So I don't know, you know, what other people were doing. I was just like, this is what's working for me. And I accepted the fact that it would take me five years or more to pay off the debt. And I just started, I made it fun. I made it into a game. I got my kids involved. They were two at the time. And I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do in the store. And I just made it into a game. And it only took me 14 months. Mm. But ended up, instead of five years, paying it off in a year and then a couple months because my husband at the time was like, oh, actually, we're not done. Here's this other credit card you didn't know about. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like two more months paid out and off and then I was celebrating. But it was just like I knew that I had done something that was probably pretty rare. Yes. And people started to ask me how I did it. And so that's when I started like telling them. I was kind of like it was a seed in my mind of like what this method was. And Mm -hmm. I kind of knew the things I was doing differently from other coaches, other gurus and finance people, but it really wasn't like a process yet. So I started talking to people about it. And that's when I realized, okay, when I talked to savers and they, it was like easy for them to stop. They're like, okay, you want me to save this much every month? Okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to some people who were like, they had a really hard time with it. I'm like, oh, there's a difference. Yes. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, is there a term for this? Like who I was calling them spenders, but I was like, is that derogatory? Like, does that? And then I I realized like, no, this is a thing. There are savers and there are spenders. And then there are people who don't really know, Mm -hmm. but when you're a spender, you kind of know. Yeah. And the problem that I saw was that spenders were trying to contort themselves into this box. And it was like this pride of like, I used to be a spender, but now I'm a saver. And this is how I did. And I'm like, no, you're not. Cause my daughter is six. I can tell already she's a spender, right? Like you've been this way your whole life, but you have shame about it. You have Mm. guilt because people have told you things that make you feel like it's being, it's wrong to be a spender. And that's why you're trying to pretend to be a saver, but it's, it's hurting you. So Mm -hmm. who I coach, I coach spenders and we are proud spenders. I teach them how to own it. I teach them how to think about it. I even teach them how to talk to people who try to, you know, give them shame and give them shit about it. It's like, oh no, no, baby, who's making the economy go around? Like today's the first day of the economic recession in America. You know, who's going to keep America afloat? Spenders. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. 
I bought some stuff today, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that is who I coach. And how do they, like, what's the process? Is it a group coaching program, one-on-one? What do you offer? Yeah. So it's kind of a hybrid because I found that's what works the best for me and for my clients right now. It's Mm -hmm. a group program because of like what I was saying, when you get into a room full of spenders, you don't feel like a unicorn. (laughs) Spenders are about 30% of the population. So odds Mm -hmm. are there's not a lot of people around you who get it. So I get them in a room together so they can see like, oh, this person's saying the exact same thing. Okay, I get it. You know, we all have trouble not lending to our families because spenders are givers. We buy Mm -hmm. things for other people just like we buy things for ourselves. And so everybody kind of sees that we all have the same issues and it's not unique to you. But it's a it's a group program. They do have one to one built in because I like to help them like get started because, like I said, I know my spenders it's hard to look at the money. So Mm. when they first start the program, there's a lot of resistance to just getting started, to just getting in the room. So I ramp them up with some one-to-one so that they can get used to getting started. And also the mail is an issue. So I teach them how to handle the money and the mail because we don't want to look at the mail either. I love this. (laughs) Just don't look at the mail. So part of the program is like, this is what you do with your mail. This is what you do with your money. It's strategy. So it's like the exact steps of what you do with your money each week. Cause you mm-hmm. only have to have an hour a week to look at your mm-hmm. money. No problem. Mm-hmm. Just an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's mindset. So we meet all together. We talk about mindset. We talk about how to deal with the things that come up, like when, you know, family and gifts and Christmas and all this stuff happens. And then it's community. You were telling me yesterday, I need to figure out what is the magic with co-working? I still need to look that up because we have co-working sessions where we all work on our money together. So that money date hour, we do it together. So it's something about like knowing that the squad, we call ourselves the money squad. When you know the money squad is going to be meeting, then it's not so hard for you to get on there, open your mail, do your, you know, work on your spreadsheet. It's something about that. That's just so magical. So that is what we do. So much fun. I love this. So, like, especially in a recession, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Spenders, unite. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, that Wonderful is, like, the best time. Most people would say no. I was like, no, this is a long game decision for sure. Mm. Yes. This is yeah. the best time to join. It talk. is. Yes. Yeah. Whenever, you know, people are getting scared about the economy, that's when the most opportunity is. It's so strange yes. how they get on. I even had a financial mm-hmm. advisor tell me like, oh, you know, because the economy is so bad. I was like, is it? She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, everything is terrible. I'm like, what do you mean? Everything's on sale. Like I just <laughs> put money in the market. Like I'm trying to, in 10 years, the return on that, what's happening now. It's like, if you're afraid of the market mm-hmm. right now, it's because you mm-hmm. don't understand how money works. You mm-hmm. don't understand capitalism. So that's when you need to come and get your financial education mm-hmm. so that you get it and you can capitalize like the people who are not scared. Right. And yeah. so that's like... It's a perfect opportunity to make some money right now. All right. I love that. I love that. All right. So what's your Instagram? I am at the budget diary, the underscore budget underscore diary. All right. And Facebook, do you have a Facebook? Mm -hmm. French Chelsea's are on Facebook. All right. And do you have a website? Yes. It's um, everydaymanifesting.club. 
Okay. Yes. Everydaymanifesting.club. Yes. And podcast? It's Everyday Manifesting. Uh-huh. Okay. I haven't recorded in about a year and a half, but, you know, see what, what's I'll on there. Yeah. <laughs> Go no check worries. it out. <laughs> it's simple, so you can uh-huh. check her out a year ago. She's probably not the same now because yeah. she's been working with me for a year. And yeah. I think you've decided to re-up, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back. A lot of it is curiosity. I'm like, well, what's next? Because my so first good. re-up, I was like, well, and now I'm like, what? Okay, what's next? Mm, so Amazing. good. All right, guys. Well. Check her out, The Budget Diary. I'm looking at her beautiful planner. She has a planner that Mm. I'm sure is involved in it. And it's gorgeous. And I want my hands on it and the spreadsheet (laughs) and all the stuff because I am a spender. (laughs) I just happen to make a lot of money. (laughs) Hey, that's the best kind. You know, I want all my spenders to make a lot of money. I want all my, I teach law of attraction, all the things. Like we're not shrinking our income. We're expanding the income so we can spend some more. (laughs) yes and make this economy roll exactly so good good. yeah all right thank you so much for coming on if you have any parting words for someone who's considering joining deeply rooted or working with me what would it be really just expect that all the areas of your life will change not just Mm -hmm. what you think you're calling break for but things that you have no idea are like involved in your transformation, all the areas of your life will change. I came to you because I had just been divorced Mm -hmm. and I thought that's what I needed help with that relationship. And it turned Mm -hmm. out to be all the relationships and business and self-care and everything. And it's just, it's amazing. But what's so funny about it though, is we literally didn't talk about your divorce much at all. At all. Yeah. I I mean, like literally... (laughs) I don't remember coaching you on your ex, but maybe right. once or twice in a whole year. So what yeah. you thought was going to be a huge uh-huh. deal, yeah. wasn't even the deal. Yeah. Like once we put it in, oh, it was like, oh, it's my thoughts about him and, and exactly. my thoughts everywhere else. It wasn't even him. It's not even him. He's so boring. He's so boring. <laughs> we don't even give him airtime. It's just like, it's not even about him. And that's one thing that you taught me. Like everything is about me. Yes. Nothing is about, I couldn't bring up any issue with him. It's like, okay, well, who cares about him? This whatever he's going to do. What he's going to do. What about you? And it's like, now I see like the world is spinning around me and I'm interacting with it. And that's the only person I can control. And once I figure that out, boom, amazing. All right. We're going to end on that note. Bye. Y'all check her out. All her links and her beautiful picture are in the show notes. (laughs) Thank you later. Bye. Did you enjoy this podcast where I have a personal invitation? I want to spend time with you, coach you, talk about the issues that are affecting you. We do this in a community we call the Melanin Hour, created just for us high achieving Black women. You can register at brickjohnson.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, Deeply Rooted is where we put all this shit together. We immerse ourselves and we master this. Six months, you, me, and a bunch of women that look like you and got a little melanin in them. (laughs) That's Deeply Rooted. You can register for the wait list at brickjohnson.com forward slash group. Hope to see you there. Bye.